gong that plays every time a gong or a bong <laughs> both it's ceremonial I, yeah. we just didn't the we bong. didn't know if you guys were cool with bringing it here exactly so <laughs> either one makes the a very significant mine. sound ladies and gentlemen welcome to Nerdtastic in 3D episode number 28 Ocho 28 like ESPN the Ocho getting closer to that 30 mark we always tell everybody that we have a very special show in store for you but this time we actually do Josh, you've uh, invited some special friends to join us this time. Why don't you, uh, why don't you introduce your guests? Uh, we do. We, uh, have, uh, we're very privileged to be next to a, a brewery, a very uh, great brewery, by the way, by the name of Golden Road, uh, right down the street from our work facilities here. And they have been gracious enough to join us on our show to talk about some nerdy beer shit. Uh, anyways, um, to my right, actually, we forgot to introduce ourselves. As always, I'm Josh Sabrat. I'm Jason Carter. I'm Sean Fennell. I'm Jack Geckler. And let's also dive into the fact of we're not at our facility. No, we are not recording from Disney Studios this time. Live from... <laughs> actually, it's not live. La Cervecería de Moro Estrella. <laughs> uh, we, we are live here from Golden Road Brewery. And with us, we have Brewmaster... John Carpenter. And uh, co-founder and president... Meg Gill. And thank you guys for joining us. Yay! Yay! Thanks for sitting in our tasting room. Yes, it's awesome. Beers. Yes, we just uh, were privileged to a... Uh, what was it? The penny tour, you said? Yeah, half a penny. Half a, it was a half, it was a, it was a <laughs> five, peso, the five, peso tour. Five pence, <laughs> the Amero tour, <laughs> tour of uh, this fantastic facility. Um, and I guess Meg, would you like to kind of just run us down what you guys are all about here? Yeah, sure. Um, well, let's see. We opened. What month are we in? We're we're in May. We're almost in June. June's tomorrow. So um, June is tomorrow. Yeah. Wow. We started brewing beer in September of 2011. And we started with our Hefeweizen, which you guys are not currently drinking. You're drinking our Berliner Weiss. But we have, and it's but delicious. But have I think three of us have had it, yeah. And uh, we started brewing in September. We started selling and opened our doors in October of last year. We started canning our beers in January, uh, Point the Way IPA and Golden Road Hefeweizen. And then um, that kind of brings us up to our current speed, and we are under a huge construction expansion project Um uh, pretty much the first week we started selling cans, we, we sold out of, out of our year one capacity. And so we're bringing in a brand new automated brew house from Germany and a 19 vessel tank farm also from Germany. So uh, the tanks are sitting in customs and that's why you guys had to um, hop around the, the front of the brewery so that, um, you know, that, that concrete still isn't dry. Um, so we're brand new. We're expanding and growing as fast as we can possibly grow. Our mission is, is to service LA and, and to become um, Los Angeles's regional uh, craft brewery. How exactly are we servicing LA? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not uh, sure I know. I know. I know, I know how how I plan to 
lubricate and serve <laughs> Los Angeles um, beer culture. John, you How might have another. How important is the lubrication part? Well, you and I have talked a lot about dry hand jobs, and you're the one that always throws me some lotion in the middle of the day. So you're making it sound like we have an inappropriate relationship. <laughs> Sorry, sounds pretty appropriate. Cut, exactly. cut, Which, cut, I, I am cut. loving this, by the way, right now. This is fantastic. But if it's your hand with her touch, it's like a Dutch rudder, right? Exactly. And it's not, I mean, it's not really inappropriate at that HR, point. HR, thank God we're too young for an HR department. <laughs> young, young, but the place is huge. I yes. just want to touch on that real fast. They, you guys, you guys own or lease three of the biggest warehouses over here by Glendale and also the most colorful, mind you, uh, in the area. Um, in so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> but uh no this place is huge i you know i had no idea first of all man i know we walked in i i had no idea that you guys actually owned the three of them i thought it was just the the first warehouse but do you want to go into that at all like that like what each of them each one of the warehouses are yeah for sure and um you know before before we started brewing beer and and when we looked at the la market um tony and i um, kind of come from different backgrounds. We bring different um, things to the table. Um, he's He's been involved in, in lots of businesses. He's um, been in a few different industries. Um, he was in the music industry. Um, and then he got into, wanted to get into the beer business and got into the retail side. So This is a, the other co-founder? Yeah, This so this is the other co-founder. And I met him when he was, um, before he had opened Tony's Darts Away in Burbank. And um, he's an extremely talented um restaurateur and saw a huge demand for for local beer in the LA market. Uh, meanwhile, I was I was growing a brewery in San Francisco in the Bay Area and um, when we started talking about different opportunities of working together, we found that the LA market was this huge wide open complex beer market that had huge demand kind of proven to him through his bars um, and through me through my travels um, as a national kind of sales manager um, at a couple companies. So we decided um, to kind of put everything into the L.A. market and to build, um, you know, something valuable for L.A. and craft beer over time. So, we, you know, we saw a lot of um, breweries who have kind of started in a little garage and grown and, and seen those growing pains. And I've been to a couple of breweries and worked at a couple of breweries who have moved buildings, you know, three times in five years. Um, so we decided to find the space first that would allow us to grow to what we thought the market potential was in, in L.A. County. Um, so that's that's our focus is just servicing L.A. County and growing into these buildings as needed. So it's, I'm sorry. Just I was going to say it fascinates me because you, you guys are literally like um, – <laughs> we have a humming noise, but it's all good. Um, you guys literally have started pretty much the same time we have started doing this podcast. Like we are, so, we yeah. are as old as you are, literally. Uh, you know, almost and to, clearly to, to just as weeks. popular. Yeah, to exactly. the masses of Los Angeles, <laughs> to the masses abroad. <laughs> we have about the same size HR department. <laughs> 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 Perfect. But what's what's amazed me is in that short amount of time, you guys are fucking everywhere. I mean, you know, all this the bars. Is not true. No, we don't fuck fucking. everywhere. Well, no, that's clearly something you need to work on. Let me. Just I'm just going off of what I've heard, and you know, 
things that have been written down on some, you know, bathroom stalls and stuff like that. But you know, Bianca, don't listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, but besides that, yeah, like I said, you guys have you know very much expanded yourselves very quickly, and it's very impressive. So let's uh, let's take a quick step back and actually go into uh, one thing which people may or may not know, which is that the animation, entertainment, visual effects industry is driven really by one thing: not money, alcohol. And that's really what uh, what keeps everybody going. It's what gets you uh, through those long, long uh, nights of working uh, and working on weekends. Well, everyone except Jason. But yes, it's true. But uh, but so we really felt like to really encapsulate the whole culture of what we do and who we are, we couldn't do uh, the show justice without having a, a, an episode dedicated to what we all love in the entertainment industry and who better than our next door neighbors which is uh, why we wanted you guys on the show so much in fact is the culture surrounded by alcohol that you will not actually find a major animation studio without something very very special inside of it Jack you know where I'm going with this I can go right off the bat to say I'm sure there's more bars in the DreamWorks facilities than there are screening rooms and bathrooms that's accurate but particularly something that many people may find interesting is that Disney Feature Animation, Pixar Animation Studios, and DreamWorks Animation all have some type of high-tech hidden bar that's themed, hidden somewhere on campus. So at Feature Animation, they have this thing called the workroom. Now, the workroom has uh, two beers on tap. It's a, basically a little storage closet, but the whole entire thing is automated. And you can go in and uh, you can go create a PayPal account that's one person manages and you can put money on this PayPal account and it's wired to a uh, basically a card with a little uh, uh, CFID, is that what it's called? RFID. Uh, RFID, thank you. Uh, reader, and there's a, there's a reader for it. So you scan your ID and it instantly pings your uh, PayPal account and pulls money right off of your PayPal account. So it's an entirely awesome automated thing. So you never, no cash, no uh, credit transactions, just all comes off of, uh, PayPal. So very, very cool. Very hidden. It's a part of a certain department. Very small. Very small, but very tasteful. Ro- rotating kegs. Yes. Um, I've seen it's a, it is a pretty cool spot, usually, though, considering the space. Usually <laughs> kegs that are not, uh, I don't know what the correct term is. You guys can help me out. But they're usually more uh, mainstream beers. They're not like micro brews or anything that are like really crafted. They're usually some- Shit. Shit, shit beer. You know, is, that a, is that an industry that's, term? That's three wait, shits, wait, everybody. John, John, what's an industry term for, for not your beer? Not oh Jesus! Well, I, they're pretty much all been my beers. I started with Anheuser Busch for five years. So, uh, I take that back. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they were all your beers. Then. Yeah, be- mass produced beers. There we go. So then the uh, the next up on the list at Pixar Animation Studios is a little place called the Love Lounge. And if you've seen the special features of, I believe it's Bugs Life. You will see that there's one man who has an office, and you walk in this office, and it's just a normal office. He's standing up at his desk, and there's a small air vent behind him, just hidden into the wall. And you can actually pry the air vent open, and you'll see that there are little flickering red and green lights coming from outside the air vent. You open the air vent, you get on your hands and knees, and you crawl in, and there's a whole other storage unit that was somehow never given a door in the Pixar building. Uh, just never had a door. So there's just random room behind this guy's office that was connected by only a vent, and it has turned into the bar. At that would start. suck getting hammered trying to crawl your ass back out of some <laughs> hole. That's <laughs> all I was thinking about. Yeah, you act like that's never happened. No, I, that's my it point. It would suck getting that's, hammered. Well, that's my point. Crawl your ass out of some hole. That was I was referring to people like myself who have been there, and it, it, it sucked. There's no other way to put that. 
There as, was no hole and I was crawling on the ground. As a physical reality and a metaphor, it's just so common. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the last. And the last, the which I had to say for last because I agree it is definitely the best. Uh, mm-hmm. Credit goes to a Mr. Damon Crow, who uh, basically co-founded the entire thing. You two, you two have been there as well? No, we've never been there and uh, we would never provide beer to such an outrageous space. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I have... I've shown up there with like college friends and I mean I don't even know if we're allowed on site technically but <laughs> I've walked in before and I've, I'd been like you know calling John to ask him you know about when some beer was coming out or something and I'm like god damn it John where are you fuck it I'm going to drink whiskey at DreamWorks and walk in and there's John with five of his friends you know it's like there's more Golden Road employees over at DreamWorks in the bar than, than there are DreamWorks employees once again more yes, bars per capita we, we than do, employees we do, we do know those bars pretty well so let's paint a little picture of the DreamWorks hidden room the only thing it's missing is a doorman it's true. That's true. It's very true. We've so, recorded from there, though, too. Yes, we have. Oh, that is true. Yeah, we actually have. Show. Well done. Don't that was our number that was. That was our holiday that. episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, during Thanksgiving? Yeah. God, that like, was rough. So like 12 or something like so that. So imagine a cubicle farm. There's artists sitting in cubicles, and you're walking past these cubicles, and you see a long wall with bookshelves on the wall. Right? Just a shelf of uh, bookshelves, books in it, all kinds of random stuff. Just looks like it's a part of the ambiance. And uh, there's a specific, very specific book called War and Peace, and you open the front cover, and there's a door handle there. And you swing open, you, you open the door handle, turn it, pull open the entire bookcase, which is actually, you find, connected to a door, basically into Narnia. Right? <laughs> to say I mean, it's yeah, it's basically into another universe. Yeah, it's so snowing there and everything. It is, yeah. And there's, uh, what are they called? Fawn? I don't even remember. It's half man, half goat. The Goonies meets the best smoking lounge you've ever seen. Meets English smoking pretty lounge. Pretty sure the most intermestering man in the world lives so, there in his cocaine lounge I'm and a guess, hunting lodge. I'm going to take a guess that this thing is probably close to like six, eight hundred square feet. Like it's a good sized space. Now we should mention that the ceiling, six foot high ceilings, maybe <laughs> six foot high ceilings on one side, two foot high ceilings on the other side. Uh, in either but, case, it works for me. Exactly. You're right, crawling exactly. either way. But as you walk in, you're coming into basically a bar, right? We have a wraparound seating that's uh, that's got the what, what is what is that called? The vinyl uh, leatherette. Is that what it's called? Leatherette. It doesn't wow. have the uh, the it's, pleated seats. It's not leather. <laughs> it could be pleather. <laughs> but uh, basically, a bar room. And uh, and how many taps do they have now officially? Four, I believe. How many beers no. on tap? Well, it, it just it changes. It's there. anywhere from two to four, I think, depending on how many people are providing. Awesome. And there's an entire refrigerator, like a like a uh, what do you call it? A commercial grade refrigerator that's in there with all kinds of soda and miscellaneous things for people. But it's basically a, a bar, and it looks just like a bar, and it's got signage just like a bar. And then you turn to your right, and to your right, you will see what can only be described as a, as like my grandmother's living room. Right? Like it's got all these antique crap all over the place. And then you just walk in there, you're like, this is awesome. Where are the moth- mothballs? Uh, it basically just looks like there's a fake fireplace, there's an air conditioning unit in there, there's couches, there's a, um, a projector. Basically, just this lounge, but of all this old antique furniture. Were you not supposed to actually use the fireplace? No, you are. You can pee in it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the toilet. That's why I haven't. Did you bring a, dur- a Duraflame with you? <laughs> 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 
an Instalog. I got this, guys. Oh, shit, y'all know. I'm pretty sure that room would go up instantly. But it doesn't stop there. No, that's not true because you always hit your fucking head on the fire. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't stop there. You keep on walking into a third room, which is basically like a hunting lodge. It is now. It's got a cutout of Indiana Jones in it, a bearskin rug, a talking animatronic deer head. And the music kicks in instantly with via a clapper. It's on a clapper. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It's got a record player, cabinet record player, the old school style. It's, and a second... Wine uh, storage that you can slide, so it's mm. another hidden room within the room. And a second uh, fake fireplace in that room. Basically, three distinct rooms in, within this giant space, all hidden behind a bookshelf. Now, the interesting thing is when the hidden room was originally developed, uh, you had to get into it by a three-foot by three-foot access panel. So... For a good year, people were climbing in through this three-foot-by-three-foot access panel, getting hammered, and then crawling out the same way. So it's basically similar to the Pixar thing. It's just we, they didn't want no to stop tunnel. there. <laughs> yeah, right. no tunnel to get out of. <laughs> I love it. So I have a question for you guys, and I think for me this is the most important and deepest question of the evening, which is, in my opinion, any, gro- any good— It's going to be so bad. Which, what? It's going to be the worst question. Why are you preparing them for that? This is, this is gold. Expect you, gold. You set it up so well. Expect, Expect gold. Exactly. The longer the preamble, the worse <laughs> the punchline. So in my opinion, any great brewery brews their own root beer. Is that on your agenda? No, not unless there's alcohol in it. <laughs> Good, good, good. Way to bring it. Good, Jason. exactly. I had to represent the children of the world. And, and yourself. It, to be honest, we uh, I've done it in the past, and when I was working at Dogfish, we made our own birch beer, not root beer, out there. And it's it's phenomenal. And we may do it in the future, but um, we'll see where we end up. Right now we're focusing on making beer um, with alcohol. <laughs> i got to imagine that the profit margins for alcoholic-related beverages are slightly higher than uh, soda. Shit, man. If we sell those at the pub, <laughs> margin's the same. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> and we're just selling direct to people and peddling hooch. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, with your, uh, you were saying you were with Dogfish Head and with Anheuser. So, could you both just really quick like, kind of go how you got to this place? Yeah, I mean, do you want to start with like my mom and dad hooking up, or yeah, I, I mean, if you're comfortable tell, with that. Tell, you I'd know, love to know everything. Position, we'd like, room, yeah, we'd like to know that. You know, we never got plastic on the uh, but couch. They cut kind you of short, crazy lady. They so. cut you short. You never know. <laughs> they did cut me short. I'm five seven. <laughs> but um, I was going to say, thank God my parents cut me. Man, it would look weird otherwise. <laughs> and then it got awkward. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> from. Uh, from getting into this, I, I never really thought I was going to make beer for the rest of my life, and I um, met a really great friend of mine in college, and uh, it was his whole life dream since he was 16 years old to be a brewer, and he moved from New York all the way to California after trying to be an accountant in college for one year and saying, <laughs> fuck this, and so he, he dropped out and moved to California to get his residency just so he could go to UC Davis, the university that I ended up going to, um, and study making beer there. And, you know, we became really good friends when I moved there, and he basically just, like, drilled into me every day, like, how do you not want to make beer for the rest of your life? What, what, what could possibly be so wrong with you as a human being that you don't want to do this? And it, it turned out he was right. Um, and so I, I ended up, um, you know, two years into my college career deciding to 
you know, add that on as the major I was focusing on. And, um, you know, I graduated Davis with uh, one of my degrees is in brewing. And, you know, I worked for uh, some small little breweries doing during internships and stuff like that. And then got really, really lucky and um, met some great people. And one of my mentors in schools, Charlie Bamforth, a very influential professor in brewing, um, and he basically like forced me, just like Scott forced me to study brewing, forced me to interview with Anheuser-Busch. And I was like, you know, I was 21, 22 years old. I was like, screw that, man. I don't want to go work for... I, I was going to say, are they considered like the man? Like, yeah, you don't want to go work for the man? They're not considered the man. They are the, the man. man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and so I was like, you know, I, I don't want to. And, and his like funny British accent, he's just like, hmm. You will, or I, I won't pass you. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so I went and, you know, sat in on a session and interviewed with them and found this amazing tiny little brewery that they have in St. Louis that does all their research and development. And one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, they have phenomenal bandwidth in all the different stuff that they do. So. I got all excited about this little brewery. It's an 18-barrel brewery, so just a little bit larger than what we have here. And we brewed 1,100 brews a year there. And, you know, a third of them, maybe a little bit less, maybe a quarter of them, were just random shit. Like, we made, like, carrot beers and garlic beers and, like, <laughs> you know, then all the traditional stuff. Was that the goal of that, pretty much that team, that group, to just put out... That was, that was whatever about, you guys wanted to experiment with. You guys like an R and D? It was it, exactly that's what it was. They they called awesome. it the research Beer pilot brewery. That's sweet. Um, and you know, two thirds or a little bit more of what we did in there was also just experimenting on every new crop of barley, every new crop of hops, all these kind of stuff. So we did raw materials testing on Budweiser, Bud Light, like all year round. And then you know, the other quarter was like, well. Let's make some crazy shit. <laughs> and, you know, it's a bunch of 20-somethings, like, out of college that most of them have never done anything with beer. And I was just very lucky because I was so sensitive. I was like, dude, if I'm going to work for Anheuser-Busch, I have to work for this, like, little spot. And so I went in there with a background in beer. No one else, everyone else was there, like, you know, as these engineers that were promising and, like, the future of the company that they were like, well, learn about beer here. Oh, uh, that's, like, their starting point? yeah kind of was um so i spent a year and a half there and i i was at that point you know they, they try and get you out to manage one of the large breweries and i gone out to uh, they have a larger brewery in baldwinsville new york and it was always kind of a joke i was like dude well the last place i want to be is upstate new york like you know I'm from San Diego. Like, this is crazy. And it gets cold there, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah, like seven foot snow drifts. But, um, and so I went up there and interviewed, and they kept asking me this question like, well, you know, why do you want to leave the pilot brewery and come up here and do this? And I was like, you know, it's not that I want to leave the pilot brewery. This is my dream job. I really love it there. And they were really sensitive because it is so remote and so cold. And uh, so I went back and they called up my director and, like, I, I'm not sure he's going to be happy up here. Like, you know, he seems like he really loves being down there. And so one of the director of new products for Anheuser-Busch pulls me in. Uh, actually, my brewmaster's office kicks her out of her office. Get out. We need to talk in here. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> and we sit down, and she's like, John, 
like you a lot. But if you blow one more interview so you can stay here, you're, you're done. Like, <laughs> you cannot stay here forever. I'm like, what do I do? Like, <laughs> you can't keep being so positive about this, like the pilot brewer. I'm like, but it's great here. <laughs> <sighs> and so we had this joke. Um, I was like, well, you know, at least Baldwinsville is the farthest you could send me away from home. And one of my bosses at the time was like, well, that's, that's not true. Merrimack, New Hampshire is actually a little bit further away. And so I ended up going to Merrimack, New Hampshire. <laughs> and so I went there and uh, ran the, um, the brewing department there for just over three years. Um, and then after that, you know, I got to a point where it, it was amazing. And I learned more than I ever could at any other brewery being there. Because what, did, was, what did they produce at that brewery? Like what were you? I think they had 11 different brands. Um, we did a lot of the smaller products, like Bud American Ale was developed there. We did uh, our organic beer there. We did the gluten-free beer there. And then all the standards, the Bush, Bush Light, um, Natural Light, uh, Bud, Bud Light, um, you know, Michelob. But, um, you know, we, we did that for a long time. And it, was really, it, it was a lot of fun and it was super challenging. But after a couple of years, you know, I'd gone through a lot of different things there, I'd, you know, been able to learn a lot about management and also about um, doing reliability management and process engineering and those kind of things and I just got to a point where you know it was was a great stable job pay was good benefits were great and I was really comfortable and it scared the shit out of me (laughs) and because I just it, it wasn't what I wanted to do with the rest of my life and I was being like lulled into the sense of comfort there and so I retired which was great um you know I, I talked to my brewmaster there at the time and you know I told him hey look this isn't what I want to do the rest of my life um and it was it was really cool he like we sat down for a beer and talked about it and he was like ah shit I thought that that's what we were going to talk about tonight I was like oh okay then we're on the same page exactly. no, this no. isn't going to be awkward or anything yeah, no. this isn't good and I'm like uh well what do you need and so I ended up staying with them for another four months, I think, um, doing all my succession planning and putting training together. And then we announced my retirement, which was really, we thought amusing, but apparently the company didn't. <laughs> were, were, were you like 23 at the time uh, of retirement? What a gauge the age, dude. I was 27. Oh, okay, I was going to say. And it, we thought it was really funny, and my, he put together a whole retirement party for me <laughs> and it did not go over well with anyone. <laughs> and this whole retirement party, like we were taking the uh, whole brewing department was getting off early and we were going up to the Red Hook Brewery and just going to have a, a blast. And like, this isn't funny. <laughs> like, yeah, but it kind of is. It's really leaving. <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> and so we did that and my intention was to kind of take some time off and do a little soul searching and figure out where, where I was. Did you, to I mean, was it to come back, you wanted to come back to California? You knew you no, wanted to get back? Or? No, I, I wanted, you know, it didn't matter where I was. I just wanted to, you know, come back into being inspired with what I was doing every day and, you know, craft brewing and, you know, I'd been working the whole time I was there, I'd been either volunteering um, with small breweries and trying to help them build out their systems or just working for little breweries on the side. I mean, not getting paid or anything, but there's so many small breweries anywhere you are, especially in New England, that 
you know, they need a lot of help, whether it's just physical labor or whether it's, you know, technical help in how to make something a little more efficient or, you know, make, you know, more interesting recipes or just kind of shoot the shit and have fun. And those were things that kept me sane for like the last two years I was working there. It was like still being attached to brewing and still being inspired. Is it because, I mean, I'm just curious of the process there at the, at the main plant, but was it mostly because once, once that system gets going, mm-hmm. there's just not a lot of uh, alteration to what's going on? Or, I mean, uh, does want a lot of creativity at that point, more or less managing? It, yeah, yes and no. I mean, the creativity there is more on the technical side, and it's thinking, like, outside the box and doing stuff that's super nerdy and, like, pushing the limits of engineering and figuring out how to do something just a tiny bit better. I mean, if you can, if you can save... You know, 1% of loss at a brewery that does 3.2 million barrels, and that's the 3.2 million is the smallest brewery in the Anheuser-Busch system. You know, 1% of that is a huge, huge number. And so that's a lot of what we focused on was, you know, how to make things more efficient. And, you know, it, it was a lot of fun and you learned a lot, but sometimes it's, you know, it's hard to get that inspired every day. It's really easy when you come into the craft community again to find a way to be inspired. Like it's you know there there's it, it's kind of sad because it's like one or the other, and then we're in this really nice renaissance right now in craft where people are blending that you know really inspiring, fun, creative on like the artistic side with starting to learn a lot more about engineering and pushing the limits of what breweries can do on both the technical side and very creative just fun side and you know I really I really wanted to get back into being able to do both not just one and you know I had a lot of fun and, and I like beer that tastes really good too I mean that's it's nice you know, it helps can't hurt <laughs> so, uh, so yeah I, I left and you know I didn't have anything planned and that really freaked people out they're like what the fuck are you doing and like this job pays really well you have like four weeks paid vacation like all this stuff and like yeah house in New Hampshire yeah I still have that thanks <laughs> oh the, the market didn't hold for you in New Hampshire <laughs> but uh yeah so you know what I left and I had never been happier about leaving and I was just kind of stoked and was talking to a lot of people and I, I was set on finding finding a job that was more than just a job and so I talked to a lot of different breweries and you know it just I got real lucky that at that time Dogfish Head was going through a big transition with a new brewmaster that they were hiring and they were trying to to really fill out that um, that technical end and really grow because they'd been growing so massively just behind the creativity and genius of Sam and the and Brian Selders and the brewers that had been there for so long. And I mean, I only learned of them. I mean, I learned of them a couple of years ago, but because of that movie Beer Wars, yeah, that that was what I learned about Dogfish Head. Yeah, and wasn't it great that right on the heels of Beer Wars? They hired me to run their production for Anheuser Busch. <laughs> Coincident- <laughs> Coincidentally. 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 But, but I think that's also a little bit of the beauty of like uh, Sam, the owner of it, is he's, he's 
a very humble person and like he, he has his views and he you know thinks what he does about the big brewing companies but he's not blinded by that and you know they were they were able to have this really strong reputation of you know screw you you know Miller Coors Anheuser-Busch whatever but you know they were still able to look at my resume and see me as a human being and a brewer as opposed to you know the enemy yeah. and <laughs> the first two months I was there you know it was, it was not easy to bridge that gap between everyone else there and me being the enemy and you know but it you know after a month or two it, it was a beautiful situation and I really got another opportunity to learn so much and work so hard in a different direction and also you know come in and have a lot of that technical responsibility there and it, it was a blast and you know I had so much fun there but see I mean like seeing I mean I don't know how you know 100% accurate the movie is in terms of like you know stats they give and everything which I assume is pretty close and everything yeah. but I mean you know how you were saying like just the small percentage like I think um, Sam Adams and that thing they were saying how um, just Anheuser's runoff like accidental spillage that just gets thrown away is more than they produce in the entire year well it used to be before I came along that shit doesn't happen <laughs> exactly <laughs> there's no fucking loss no there. none at all <laughs> but I mean that number was that to me just astonished me and then you know in that movie too seeing how difficult it was for just new people to start out and then like you know so when I, I would say you know you, you've worked in all over the country you've traveled obviously for you know this type of you know work um I feel kind of fortunate being in a major metropolitan city like this in a major big city to where they have a lot of beers that you wouldn't normally probably have in a lot of places in, you know, the country, you know, and do you find that that is pretty beneficial, obviously, to you guys being in L.A.? Like, do you think you would be this successful if you were in, you know, Utah? Which, which part of Utah? <laughs> Provo. <laughs> Provo. <laughs> Well, I guess I'll uh, step into the L.A. market, talk a bit. Um, and I think John will agree because he's on, on board with building, building the L.A. market share, but um, quite um, different from, from how you describe L.A. L.A. has been coined the wasteland of craft beer nationally. Really? And um, compared to San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, and San Diego... Um, we're less than a third of the craft market share in those in those towns that are already, um, you know, small small potatoes compared to the major brewers. So, um, you know, the the LA marketplace has been a joke in general. And I moved um, from Boulder and started in, in Colorado and beer to San Francisco, the oldest you know the craft beer kind of capital of the United States. And was basically laughed out of town to come to LA and, and start a brewery. So, um, you know, not to get totally serious and totally negative on the town, but it's um, there are a few crusaders here who have been here for 10 to 15 years, um, the lucky bald ones um, of the world, <laughs> but they're very few and far between. And um, in the last two to three years, there's been an um, influx of craft beer bars opening and that's definitely helped 
Um, but you know, it's uh, it's still in the supermarket chains, in all the places where San Francisco and uh, the Northwest are 15 to 20 percent of the market. We're in LA. We're under five percent of the market. So um, it's an insane number, and it's an it's uh, crazy how much Crown and Corona and Bud Light is sold here. It's the nu- number one if you take um, kind of the counties surrounding LA beer market in the country and it's the slowest lowest on the totem pole craft beer market in the country so um we have a lot of work to do and we're we take it very seriously and that's why we've put you know everything into this brewery and that's why we you know hired the best brewmaster in the world we feel for the project and you know it's cool to hear john's john's story he doesn't um talk in depth about the the ab days as much um you know in the craft beer space, but I think that we've benefited a lot from that um, and from the creative creative side that, you know, that's always been in his brain and that, you know, Dogfish helped cultivate. So so <clears throat> you were saying you started in Colorado, it is. So what's kind of your, how did you want to get into this beer stuff? Well, it was interesting. Just like John, um, I never wanted to get into beer. I was a big beer drinker, but also like John, a lot of a lot of natty light in college um actually have the women's keg stand record at yale uh, still have it so girl. guys watch to set out. the record straight i drank mostly hams not natty light oh come on a there was some of, natty light in your day we- a little but it was too expensive for me <laughs> <laughs> I found um, Milwaukee's best to be a good uh, substitute for that. I killed Natty Light, though. Natty Ice was the good stuff. Yeah. God. Yeah. Shoot me. And that was actually um, actually on my recruiting trip to Yale. So I guess I was a pretty good drinker before I really knew it, you know, at like 16 years old. Um, but I was recruited for swimming at Yale, and I, I never saw um, myself doing anything other than um, swimming and continuous, continuing to swim or do triathlon. And Olympic dreams were... You know, that's all I dreamt about, and that's what I lived for. And um, I studied hard and, and, and ran some businesses through school to get me through school, but um, it wasn't a focus. It was just to provide so that I could swim as much as I possibly could. And um, I went to work for another uh, Yale swimmer who was a professional triathlete in Boulder, Colorado, because I saw that I could help her make some money and, you know, also continue on my obsessive kind of training binge <laughs> So I moved to Boulder, and um, you know, the first night in Boulder, um, I had a couple fat tires and a couple Dale's Pale Ale, and you know, little did I know how influential those beers and those companies would be on my growth as a person and career and all that. So I got to Boulder. Um, I started an events management company with um, with the woman I was working for and Nicole DeBoom, and she um, she was super inspiring to my kind of workout regime, but also knew how to have fun, and introduced me to the, the Cowboys over at Oscar Blues, and at that time, um, Dale's Pale Ale, the first craft beer in a can, was being filled on a two-head filler in a barn in Lyons, Colorado, which is a one-stop sign farm. Um, you know, I don't even know if Dale was legally renting that barn because <laughs> no one is uh, is in it anymore. Um, so that was a, just a couple months out of college. I met Dale, and within a few months, um, I had uh, launched a company, and Dale was my main beer sponsor. We got to talking, and, and it, it was a short time later that I went to work for him um, with no title, 
Um, on my card was a uh, megalomaniac, which I'm not exactly sure what it means. Um, and uh, I'm awesome on the other side. <laughs> no, and um, and and fitty chick. Which, if you guys has has anyone here had uh, ten fitty? It's a uh, yes. I, I've heard so of it. I don't think I've had. Does anyone know what uh, you guys said? You like stouts? I've had. So, yeah. Have you had it here? Yeah, we've had it here for sure. Then that's where I that, that's where I thought I'd had it. I'd yeah. seen it before because I made Sean. Yes. You were there yes. because I, I called you out it. and I go, yes, dude, I you got to get ten it. just for the name alone. You got to drink it. So <laughs> it's you probably think ten fifty is like, you know, it's around ten percent alcohol. So people kind of assume that that has to do with the name, and um, you know, it's an imperial stout that's in a twelve ounce can, and and um, that's that's the whole deal is that beer is better in a can. It's preserved fresher. It's easier easier to travel. Um, easier to to take outdoors, you know. Is that is that why all of your stuff is cans? The re- yeah, the reason our beer is cans is is because of the the fresh factor um, and and us servicing a local market and trying to get the beer um, to the market in a fresh way and and also the fact that you know there wasn't a Southern California craft beer in a can we could provide that as kind of the outdoor solution to good beer. So there are a lot of reasons, but clearly. Um, you know my inspiration working at at Oscar Blues and and drinking a lot of Ten Fitty. So anyway, the other the other line on my business card was uh, Fitty Chick and Ten Fitty. For those of you who don't know, means fuck industry, do it yourself. So never like would have it. thought you know five years later I'd be working with the man um, over here. I love it. Uh, I'm that's, sure he does. I think. I, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, 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 it depends how I was looking at. It. <laughs> Did you guys get um, into the part of the story where you guys kind of started to hook up and and like the kind of creation of like yeah, the staff? Yeah, I can I can skip skip through my history because honestly, like I fell into it like John, but mine isn't as nerdy and technical. It's more, you know, marketing, sales, and distribution. Oh, I thought you were gonna be passion like, driven. Oh shit! Well, you uh, got well, a sick was business say, card. You're hired. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just like you know you you know you're you're very young looking. You know you you look like you know you were. It, it, it's kind of like crazy. Like, like, you know, like you're, you're 16. You're 16, right? You're 16, yeah. right? Yeah, you're yeah. 16. I, I mean, has it, has it been tough being, you know, a woman, like, doing this? Yeah, you don't for see, sure. You don't you see know, very many, you know, women. Young entrepreneurial no. women. In brewing. In, in beer. Um, dipshit. For sure, yeah. I mean, it's a very rare thing. And it's, um, it's an old boys network. Um, there isn't a lot of change, especially on the distributor and retailer side and um you know i think for the first three or four years um it was a it was a big like weakness and so i became an obsessive just like i was in swimming training kind of trained my mind to beer and the business of beer and learning it and so you know i became almost kind of self-conscious and defensive of how young i was and that i was like you know the only young female and and doing what I was doing and so um, I think I kind of overcompensated for a while and now it's um, you know it's pretty it it treats me pretty nice that I can uh, sit in a board board boardroom with with 15 men and kind of get what I need done in the meeting so (laughs) you know because like I mean you kind of scare me that's all I'm saying you learn how to survive for sure in that instance and I used to be so um, you know when I was 22 23 and and uh and and dale would drag me into meetings and they'd be like oh what are you like a fucking bud light girl like what are you you gonna give me some fucking beads like what you know and i would just like fucking 
like my skin would just, you know, I would be in a rage and, and, you know, Dale would step up for me the first couple of times it happened and be like, you know what, in five years, she's going to be your fucking boss. So I'd watch out. And that was kind of my first confidence in the beer business was, was Dale, the owner of Oscar blues telling me and, and giving me that like confidence of, That's awesome. you know, know your shit, step up to these guys yeah. and, and watch out. And, so I, that's, um, you know, John has a similar story of a, of a friend who got him, t- him into the business. And it's interesting just like how impactful one person can be on, on bringing you to where you well, are. And- yeah, we've talked about that too on the show. It's, you know, being in our industry too. And, and I only ask that just because our industry is very male, heavenly driven. You know, out of our company, there's only, you know, each department has maybe like, you know, two women out of a team of like 30. You know, and especially if they're attractive, it's just really even worse because then they're just always kind of gawked at and looked at and everything. And, you know, I'm sure it gets, you know, uh, like we talked to another friend where uh, we asked, you know, do you get hit on all the time because you're around this? And she goes, yeah. And she goes, and it gets annoying. It gets, you know, it sucks. And I have another woman, too, that she goes, she won't date anybody or anything near, you know, our work because she wants to actually be taken seriously. And it's just like, you know, being in this same type of thing where, you know, it's very heavily male-driven and stuff like that. It was just kind of one of those things if you kind of struggle with it as well. Yeah, absolutely. But in the in the same breath, I'm going to say that it's helped me a lot too. Um, you know, these uh, these distributor types and, you know, the, the buyer Ralphs or Vons or whatever, they almost are like expecting less out of me. And then when I have kind of... Tony calls it the goods to back it up. Then they they give me almost more credit than due because they're expecting this kind of young, you know, flaky blonde girl to come in and and not know the difference between a pale ale and an IPA and all that. Yeah. So and then like you said, your friend like and with us too, we all have kind of really you know have gotten in because you know we knew somebody and they took a chance on us and like then helped guide us and and really we always say first it's who you know then it's what you know because if you get somebody to you know back you up you got to be able to fucking you know produce what this person is actually you know yeah i think i think we would all argue that for every single one of us that's working professionally at one of the industry, uh, animation studios there's 19,000 other people more talented than each one oh, of what? us that fucking doesn't 100%. have that job <laughs> i don't know any of them <laughs> you're not oh, yeah. getting my job if you're listening <laughs> That's awesome. So, I, yeah. so yeah, sorry, so, hit the oh, yeah. So, so back to, to, to John um, and how we met. We met through a mutual friend at a conference in 2000, early 2011, the Craft Brewers Conference. And, um, you know, we, uh, we were out with a couple different breweries um, at an event in, uh, in San Francisco. And I had just quit um, my job. I was working at Speakeasy, a local brewery in San Francisco. And um, just put in my notice to be able to to start this thing with Tony, and um, was just kind of on the hunt for brewers, and was talking to every brewer at the show about not necessarily like, will you quit your job at Dogfish Head, Sierra Nevada, Firestone, whatever. You know, it was, do you know any guys who may be a good fit for a startup? And to be honest, when uh, when John and I met, um, I heard the AB you know, history. And I thought that there was just no way in hell that this guy would, would ever come to LA and, and work for a startup 
And um, I just kind of told him um, my story and Tony's story and what we thought of the LA market and what the challenges were, but what the huge upside was if we could we could break into the market and and what kind of beers we were looking looking at you know to do that with and and um, you know he didn't um, he said I love your passion and I love your excitement and I'm so happy with where I am um, but I would just love to help you um, you know find the right brewer and so we talked for a few months um, just on a friendly basis uh, we you know wasn't paying him anything just bunch of smiles on the other end of the phone and uh you know it was uh it was late one night in um in colorado i was i was interviewing some brewers um through some old old connections i had there and uh he said yeah that guy's like really creative like could totally work out but you know the engineering side isn't as strong as it it could be and i just said you know like man fuck it i just gotta say it you're the only man for this job like that's it and the phone just went kind of dead and um i'll let john kind of chime in from here maybe on why he did it but uh oh, i thought maybe the phone just from, died from <laughs> real time. I thought you were gonna say like literally i lost cell signal okay. <laughs> but it had a, it was very dramatic to her though it's at&t every time drop your calls yeah more or less no it was, it was just awkward because it had never been anything we had talked about and um it was like nine o'clock or ten o'clock or something and I was actually sitting in a conference room at the brewery because I was still there. We had just uh, we were in the middle of uh, redesigning our brewing systems, and so I was there for like eighteen hours a day, every day, and so I was just kind of like, uh, "Oh no!" <laughs> and it's just like, "This is this no." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." I'll talk to you later. Like, I, this is inappropriate for so many reasons. And, like, I'm still at work right now. She's like, what the fuck are you doing at work? It's like 10 o'clock. Did you assume, like, he was somewhere else or something? Yeah. <laughs> we're at work, and it's uh, 9.52, so But it was again. just, it was funny. I was like, uh, I, I, my brain's dead right now. Like, let's just talk some other time. <laughs> and I, think stayed there for like the rest of the night too <laughs> and we we talked um a little bit later and you know it just it was the same kind of thing i was like it's really flattering i appreciate it but you know it's i have a great job here i love what i do and like let's keep working on you know getting this project moving for you and then you know she was pretty persistent and <laughs> she was out on the east coast like a week later or something was, like drove up from virginia and was like hey let me take you to dinner and talk about the project. Like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and at this point, he knows. There's no more smiles. It's like, come on now. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, we just kind of went through the whole thing. And she showed me, you know, the places. And we talked a little bit more. And I was like, you know what? It, it's, it's worth at least, you know, talking about. And so I flew out here and I, you know, saw the whole thing and met with her and Tony. And we talked a lot about it. And it was just, you know, there was, it, there was so much opportunity and excitement. And, you know, there's so much good that we can do with this market. And I was just kind of like, fuck it, you know. It's another stupid thing, like leaving a really solid, <laughs> great paying job in the bush to have nothing. It's like, yeah, let's just do something rash again. And so, you know, I got on a plane and I flew back and 
sat down with Sam the next morning at Dogfish and was like, look, uh, I think I'm going to move back to California and like try and, you know, start this new brewery up. And that was a tough conversation, but it was, it was made so much tougher because the, the way he responded was just like, it was like so real and genuine. It was just kind of like, wow, that sounds really cool. Like, is like, what can we do to keep you here? I was like, I was like, you, have you already made your mind up? Is this something you really want to do? Like, yeah, I think so. And like, it's pretty much, I'm pretty sure. And he's like, well, fuck it, man. That's awesome. And I was like, oh man, you're not making this any easier. It's like when you pissed off your parents and like, they just gave you like the silent, like disappointment look. It's like, no, yell at me. I want you to yell at me. It's just like, come on. It's just like, no, the silent treatment is like, oh, shit. Disappointed, disappointed in you, Josh. <laughs> well, but, and that's totally what it was, but that's just like who he is and the culture that he's brought to that company. And I mean, he, I lived two blocks away from him and I would like have dinner with him and his family and just like, it, it was like, you know, breaking up with your girlfriend or something. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, ah. Damn, Meg, you must have been sincerely yeah. persistent. But, uh, <laughs> It was really good, and so we, we talked about it, and, uh, like, you know, I, I didn't have as much time as I did with AB, because I actually had something I was doing, as opposed to being a bum for a while, um, and so I stayed with them for another seven weeks, and, you know, went from, like, you know, 16 hours a day, six days a week, to, like, 18 hours a day, seven days a week, just trying to make sure we got as much done as we could, and, you know, then took off from there, and I think I... My official last day was like a Friday. I ran a festival for him on Saturday and worked at the pub for free for like two or three days and then was like violently ill because I hadn't slept for a long time. Like, so I didn't, I didn't even like pack my shit. Like I tried to really hard, but then I was like, I was sleeping and like waking up for two hours and just like dropping shit in a box. And then all of a sudden the truck was there and I had like, just a couple big boxes because I was like I'm never going to get this packed so I'm just like sweeping shit into these big boxes <laughs> and taping them and throwing them on there and uh, I got my stuff here and it's like half broken I was like oh, whatever but you know I just I flew out the next day and started here and you know we hit the ground running and you know we tried to make this into a brewery as fast as we could but doing it the right way and it's been crazy ever since (laughs) were you happy to be back in california yeah i mean it's really good um this is this is my home as much as la is not where i'm from i'm from san diego it's still you know i feel you know much more close to home here um and you know there have been a lot of times where i've felt like this really was home um and so it's 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 really good to be back in Southern California and to be able to do something I think that's kind of kind of meaningful here and you know is is irrelevant is you know making beer is I think it it provides a lot to people and it provides a sense of community and you can do a lot of good stuff with it and so speaking of, speaking of the community aspect was it the initial plan right off the bat when you guys got the space to have the bar seen in the front like that I mean like. Because it, it wasn't just, hey, we're just going to brew beer and have a space to brew beer. Or was it right up front to be like, hey, we want to bring a place that 
we could try try new beers, serve our beers, serve some crazy food, and just like have that kind of community atmosphere here. Yeah, absolutely. And um, these this project moved a lot quicker than than we anticipated, and um, a lot of people are kind of amazed by how quickly it's it's um, kind of come up and 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 gained a lot of popularity, especially at the at the pub and. Um, we've just had a lot of factors for us to get us there. And Tony and I had, had literally just started looking at L.A. and weren't exactly even sure if we were going to build from scratch, if we were going to just find a you know, box of a warehouse. And um, Tony was across the street looking at a box of a warehouse space. And um, I was in San Francisco still. And he uh, he saw these buildings, didn't even know if they were for lease or not, and was and, and told me to get on the next flight. And I came down here, and and we both just said, those are the buildings. Whatever we have to do, you know, to to convince this guy to long term lease them to us, we're gonna do. And um, we saw the potential of a retail space um, for many reasons. Um, first and foremost, as a as kind of a tasting platform for the local community to come and um and try your beers and not just not just our beers um and and new beers for the brewers to 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 try out but also other people's beers to kind of show and um show our support of craft beer in general and these are the these are the styles and these are the breweries that we respect and we'd like you to try them and so that's kind of what our our pub is about um you know, the food is um, kind of to be paired with the beer in a little bit of a healthier way was the concept. Um, you know, we've been traveling and, and drinking beer for a long time and, and felt like we wanted to kind of show a little bit more of a healthy lifestyle here, um, especially eating here three times a day. <laughs> so uh, we did know that we would have a retail component uh, it's expanded in some, to something larger than we expected, uh, like most of the brewery. And we're uh, adding on a, a beer garden for the summer. Hopefully that will be licensed um, by the end of July, early August. That'll add another couple hundred seats. And, um, and then we're working on an event space um, after that, probably in the fall, that'll be open. So you guys can come rent it out for this or any other kind of animation fun stuff stuff. stuff. so have you have you experienced uh, any benefit in being as close to the studios as you are in this location other than being on this amazing show right now (laughs) is that a trick question (laughs) it's actually I've met a ton of really good looking nerds (laughs) there's a couple there's a couple It's been it's been really good for us for a lot of reasons. Um, I mean, certainly DreamWorks, but a couple of the others too have been super supportive of us. And you know, it's, there have been these these small groups. Yes, um, that is the train. Of, <laughs> of people that have really allowed us to um, to thrive as a pub, and you know, that's that's one of the things that allows us to continue to build the brewery too. It, most small breweries are founded and start to grow they have a very very difficult time um, even coming close to making ends meet because it's so difficult with the three-tier system in the United States um, and California is not the easiest either um, to really make 
any sort of legitimate revenue on your beer until you get to a certain volume. Um, and so having the studios here and having a lot of, you know, this sense of community coming in um, has been unimaginably helpful for us. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I've always been fascinated. Actually, even at DreamWorks, the number of people uh, vested in their own brewing and into brewing. Like that that, that sort of, you know, jo- Josh uh, Richards, who works in uh, me and Sean's apartment, just blew my mind with the amount of how, how much he was into it and his, uh, his passion for it. Um, and he's always spoke very highly of you guys. And I, and I even remember the first time he brought you guys into the hidden room, um, which had mostly just been a lot of his... Yeah, a lot of his brews with his, his, with brews. his buddy yeah. who moved up to PDI. But he's, he's one of the guys that got me kind of excited again about beer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that brings me to an interesting um, question that I had for you guys. I don't know if I'm allowed to ask it. Nope, see ya. No, <laughs> no by all bring, means, bring it on. Bringing up the nerds, um, and uh, Josh is very much one of them on the, on the beer side. Is uh, will you tell me what you think your the difference is between a beer nerd and a beer geek? Because I think that that John and I have an idea. But I'm actually just because John's so adamant about answering this question, I can just see it on his face. <laughs> oh, come on, I'm actually it's very curious. I'm gonna bat it off. Honest, honestly, I'm, I'm I'm curious on what I, I think. What it is is I'm I'm curious what the difference is. That's like, because like, I can say I can say Josh is definitely a beer nerd. I mean, he's he's vested, but more I think on the lines of maybe where John's at as far as I don't know either the tech or the science behind it. I can see that maybe the geeks is more of the guy who goes around and being like, "You'll never guess what I tasted in the tasting room at Golden Road last night." Dude, you or is that just a douchebag? Or is that just or is that's that's just a douchebag? Oh, okay, that's what we're getting to. Yeah. Okay, that's a yeah. douchebag. I couldn't so, I couldn't remember. Yeah, so when you you ask the studio question and um, it it kind of. It reminds me of that difference, and we've seen um, just this huge outpouring of beer nerds at our at our pub. Uh, people who care and love and cherish and want to learn more and study beer, and in a very non pretentious way. You guys, um, you're in jeans and shorts and tennis shoes, and that's like how we want our pub to be. We want it to be like this learning um, place for craft beer and not a pretentious. Um, kind of geek place as, as we talk about it and you know a lot of the beer geek culture that um, you know that that I get sick of personally and especially when I when I travel is uh, you know going to get a um, a $12 you know fucking double IPA and it's an amazing local double IPA and some fucking geek beside you is pouring it out going where's the Pliny and you're like, you know, there there are great beers out there in every city, and um, you know, we want to provide a way to kind of challenge the nerds and and not necessarily cater to the geeks. So, um. it's interesting you say that slight observation that I think that concept between nerd and geek is something that can apply um, sort of to passion and to, to to a lot of different things. You know, I I think you'll meet a lot of different people in the entertainment industry that are nerdy and passionate about about what we do for a living and what, and what we are. Very similar to how I think you guys sound very, very passionate about your business and ultimately your product. And the thing that's most interesting about passion is that it's contagious. 
It's very, very contagious. You know, I don't, I don't drink, but listening to you talk about it, I'm passionate about it for you. And I think that's a really, really interesting thing. And that's something that you don't get with geeks in any type of industry. You're going to get somebody, a geek is somebody who's, who's going to turn it into something that, that is passionless. You know, they're looking for something where there's really no heart to it. And I like that you keep bringing up the sense of community. Because I know that we've all kind of become really close friends through random haphazard circumstances and created this really, really fun um, atmosphere between us. Um, because we have this thing in common, because we have this sense of community, and uh, and we share that common passion. And, to, and but there are people that everybody works with, or that everybody comes in contact with in re- your related fields that just they put that bad taste in your mouth. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, you're one of those guys, you know. And absolutely, <laughs> I'm like biting my tongue just thinking about yeah. the people that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and everybody has those. And I definitely will say, Meg, I love that you use the word pretentious because that is the opposite of, well, in my impression, the opposite of this place. You know, you walk through here. It's cool. It's laid back. I feel comfortable here. Um, I definitely can see that you guys are going to create a sense of community. And for and in, in related to that, I do. I don't know how you guys feel about the city of Glendale, but where you're actually located with the kind of businesses that are around you, I do think it's a really interesting. You're going to foster more and more community as you guys grow. It's going to be really interesting for you. Yeah, that's amazing. And thank you, thank you for saying that. And I mean, just just uh, yesterday we saw a huge outpouring from the community we had um some issues with with our licensing um from the city of la and and believe it or not we're actually in the city of la even though the other uh, about 25 feet over is glendale oh really is that a train tracks thing yeah that's a train tracks thing (laughs) i didn't know that interesting we're on the other side of the tracks here but uh (laughs) the better side of the track there you go well um you know so glendale uh burbank we're we're actually in atwater village so uh just across the street from us on San Fernando Road, you know, we, um, I explained to a couple neighbors, uh, just who were out in the street watching these, uh, these cement trucks come in that we're having some issues and we had, um, 19, uh, almost all 30 foot, uh, vessels coming in and, um, because of the city permit hassles we've been through, we're kind of going to be fucked on about 10 of the, 10 of the tanks, um, we're not sure what to do with. We can build around, but it's going to be a huge expense, and we're not sure of the timeline. And um, you know, our neighbor across the street from us, who's a sound studio guy um, called Four Wall. Uh, his name's Jim, and, and he's like, "Look, like we're just moving in. Uh, we have a football field in the back. Why don't you just store the tanks back there as long as you want?" Uh, that's and, awesome. and I'm awesome. like, "Dude, what? what can I pay you for that space? Like, what? What can we do?" And he's like. Oh, what kind of beer do you make? You know, <laughs> it's, it's you know? universal and, and, money. And, and I gave literally, I gave the guy a six pack. I'm trying to give him a case, and he's like, "Oh no, that's too much. I'll never drink that much." You know, I'm like, "Dude, six beers, six beers. for, on, for like months of you know a football field of rental space in L.A. Come on, so that's we awesome. we love it here, and we can be you know happier with uh, our neighbors. That's awesome. I'm a. Uh, I was going to go, I, just because I got to hear because you're so adamant about that, like with the face with the geek and nerd thing. One thing, I, one thing I'm curious about, though, is your take, having traveled a lot and been to a lot of these different cities, and I guess, Meg, this would go to you, too, is what cities have the worst, like, just amount of geeks, like people who are just pretentious as fuck about beer, uh, and it can overshadow the scene? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I hate this question because I feel very fortunate to do what I do. And I'm, regardless of how pretentious and how um, 
you know, off-putting some people can be. Um, whether you're a nerd, a geek, anything, if you're, you know, supporting the beer community in one way or another, um, you know, I, I appreciate that people do that. So I really don't like getting into this question, and I don't like answering it, and I feel uncomfortable just talking about it because <laughs> I, I, I just... I'm, I'm really All beer great. drinkers are good beer drinkers? I, I, I mean, maybe, maybe they are, maybe they're not, but, you know... Ultimately, they're all supporting you and your passion. Absolutely. And Fair without, without them, I couldn't do what I do. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Uh, totally I, I'm not going to no, win. No, no, no. No, no. I'm going exactly. to say LA is full of a bunch of pretentious pricks and anything. So that's, I, I mean, that's, that's why I could throw that out there. That was my, when I moved here in 2003 from Florida, I, I just couldn't get over that. Yeah. And I still can't about anything, about what I do for a living, about people who work next to me sometimes and what oh, they no. do. When I lived up north, like, San Francisco was kind of like that, too. It was pretty, I don't know. But, Meg, you seemed a little passionate, so I'm sure there's... <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a couple, you don't have to name names, but I'm sure there's a couple cities you've been to that, that it's, they have certain points of view that are, are tougher than others. It rhymes with Schmortland. Yeah. Well, well I, think, yeah, okay, okay. I think that I'm overly um, kind of aggressive about the question because um, there was so much negativity around um, my leaving San Francisco that, that, that LA would never be this, this town and there's so much geekdom in the area. Why do you guys feel that they feel that way about LA? Like, why do you think LA has such a stigma? Because it, it, it's true. Just like, the amount just, of pretentiousness just, here is just um, too much. If, and... you, if you take um, any, I don't, I don't, your industry, I'm sure, has this like data collection you know, <laughs> services. But it's like you look at IRI, which is grocery store data, which is where 80% of the beer is sold. Um, LA just stands out as a sore thumb of um, just shitty beer sales. So it's just, um, it's, it's a huge So, uh, so the, num- the numbers corona. alone tell you yeah. that it's just not a good move. It's just not a good move. And, um, and so I think that I have a little bit of uh, fire up my ass, something to prove to say, like, I left, um, you know, like John, a great job, um, you know, the oldest beer market, craft beer market in the country to come to, you know, what, what people call the wasteland of craft beer. And so I think that um, I get a little bit uh, um, turned off by the geekdom and, and I want more nerds around and, and people who aren't pretentious and who come into beer, um, you know, whatever their, their knowledge base is. And that's why I love seeing, uh, the walks of life who come into the pub. It's, it's not just studio guys. It is a lot of studio guys, but it's a lot of the local, um, Glendale community and there's families in, I mean, you come in on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and there are more tables with kids at the tables than there are, you know, not. And those those people aren't the guys who are up all night on rate beer and beer advocate because they have families and they don't have time and they have full time jobs and they're just now learning about craft beer and those are the the people that I think that I get you know off on is is touching them and making you know bringing them into our little segment here. Well, I know we're happy that you guys uh, decided to bring it here and take and take the take the leap into L A the L A market and it. I don't know. To me, it's, I, and I'm happy as well to Tony for starting Tony Darts. Love that place. Uh, I know me and Sean. Oh, we've been, John, we've many been there many, many a times. Uh, thank you to it's Josh for to, introducing not us. Not to, to fall it. in love with that place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so we do need to start to bring the show to a little bit of a close, but I think there's a couple of things we need to hit first, which first is one of the main ingredients of beer is water, right? So how massive is the water bill for this place? <laughs> you know what? The water bill is not terrible. What's always really complicated is the water output from the brewery. Um, and so your discharge is always this thing that, like, since before I was ever interested in starting this project, this is one of the things that I talked to Meg about. It was like, check on your wastewater permits. Like, how much water can you put down? Like, how much, how much, how much, how much? And I've been paranoid about it, and I'm still paranoid about it every day because um, it's very difficult to reduce your water consumption as a manufacturing facility and especially as a beer manufacturing facility. <laughs> so we do everything we can to reduce the total amount of water that we can while still maintaining a really um, sanitary process. Um, and it's right now we're still way under what it's gonna where it's gonna be really expensive and we pay kind of the same thing no matter what. But once we There's a threshold. Yeah, once we bring <laughs> this large brewery in here, um, <laughs> It's going to be a tightrope we'll walk the whole time, um, and we're, we're going to have to find ways to make sure that we use less and less and less water. I mean, basically our output is the same as our input, um, but it costs a hell of a lot more to sewer water than it does to bring it in. For sure. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that a lot of breweries end up having to do, or end up having to do is putting in wastewater treatment facilities in-house. Unfortunately, we're in a pretty industrial area, and our wastewater is pretty damn clean. We're a brewery, uh, first and foremost. Um, So we'll we'll get to a point where we have to consider how we're going to deal with it, and that's the scary part. What what comes in? (laughs) Flush less toilets? (laughs) (laughs) Cut every corner. If it's yellow, let it it mellow? No. So it's uh, it, it's an interesting. I had one. never heard that before. That's yeah. that's very interesting. So something we try to ask of everybody we have on the show, and by that I mean this is the first time we're asking it on this show. <laughs> what is, what is your favorite movie? What? Yes. Okay. Really? Yes. That's what we do. Why not? It's what Fair we enough. do. Are we inside the actor studio now? Megan, I'm, putting you on the I'm spot. The let's let's start yeah, with you. Yeah, it's pretty easy. It's uh, just the Kill Bills. Okay. Nice. Okay. Sweet. Love it. John? Uh, cool hand Luke. Okay. I like it. Reaching back a few years. I like it. Very, very cool. Did we even have this cover? No, we, we've never we answered this question. I don't even think we've even answered that. We'll keep it going then. It just can't be two people. We've yeah, got right? six We're... people at the table here. Jack? You're up, Jack. Uh, Blade Runner. <laughs> don't judge me. <laughs> I, that was not a judgeful face. That was a thinking your eyes about my answer. <laughs> your eyes scream. It's in your eyes. Sean Fennel. Um, I'm gonna go seven. I love that movie. Josh, uh, Terminator Two. Oh, that's good. So I feel a little bit horrible for saying this because I have a daughter now. But uh, for many, many years, it was American Beauty. It sounds odd, but that movie did more for like me as a person, like spiritual, like understanding of the world than like anything. It's my top five. But I feel a little bit dir- dirty about. Saying that nowadays that I have a daughter, so Kevin Spacey. As long as she's not like laying in roses or anything, dude, you're good, <laughs> man. She's 16 months. So I think we got some time. Uh, 
yeah. So I would say probably, if not that, uh, I'm a really honestly gigantic fan of uh, Inception. I love that movie. Cool. I thought you were gonna go Pirates of the Caribbean. Of the I thought you were gonna go like American Tale, Journey, Journey goes West, Journey to the Center of the Earth, Elmo visits New York. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah. a big winner. Mostly just the cover of The Little Mermaid. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Nothing on the inside whatsoever. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's keep this going. Worst movie, Meg. Uh, or, like the movie that you hate seen. the most no, no, yeah. or your seen. guilty pleasure no no, 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 no. that you've seen oh, okay. that, no, like that the worst seen, movie worst you've seen movie like you'd rather Jesus you'd rather slit your wrists than watch it again that is a you've, you've all seen bad Fear movies Wars. worst movie yeah nice I'm gonna go there alright dude this is bad. I don't know. It's not something I think about. Yeah, that's, that's what's good. Like, that's the purpose of our show. <laughs> but we've all seen something shitty. Either maybe you didn't leave, but you wanted to leave the theater, or you were at home and gone, like, screw this shit, and turned it or something else. Oh, I'll tell you something that I saw recently that I thought was, like, amazing, and I also had, like, just didn't give a shit about the movie at all. It was the, what was it? Is it Wrath of the Titans was like the most visually impressive like 3D <laughs> thing ever and we sat there and watched it and we're like this is fucking crazy do you remember what happened to me? no that fucking sucked but it was fucking awesome <laughs> I've talked about that movie a couple times and I, I so still, it goes either way you talk about it but it's maybe yeah, not always the best it's the best, best looking worst movie you will ever yeah, see yeah, yeah. We, I still don't remember what the fuck happened in the movie but I, I remember being like shit that hell I just remember came being out of exhausted me. after that movie finished yeah. So uh, I'll go with that for right now, but I'll think about this one. Jackson? It's so funny. I was thinking about I, my usually my go-to is I got dragged to the Spice Girls movie back in the day, and, that, and I, I walked out. Uh, but it recently was the uh, Meryl Streep, what was it, Julia Child movie, that she was Julia Child. Oh, uh, God, what was it called? yes. Letters to Every Julia. Every time she talked, it, it, my molar... The filling in one of my molars started to just <laughs> vibrate, do something. Uh, and that's, that's now up there as the worst thing ever put on to film, just for her talking. Tell Let's me see. how you really feel. Exactly, dude. All like six foot five of her. Oh, it's horrible. Dear God, I am so good at forgetting shit that I hate that I'm in That's a great really quality to have in life, by the way. That is an incredible remembering. quality. Fuck, what's that Freddy Got Fingered movie or whatever? <laughs> I think I'm probably going to have to go with that. Yes, that is a movie. Uh, I'm going to choose a little Elijah Wood movie from back in the day called North. Oh, yeah, that was bad. Where, uh, I remember that movie. This movie was like this crazy kind of journey of this kid, and I was like super into it, and I was like, all right, this is kind of fun. It's nutty, but and then the kid wakes up from a dream. Credits roll. <laughs> Spoiler like, alert. Yeah, exactly. Don't Way watch Lost. <laughs> Way to ruin the worst movie. Yeah. All right, fair enough. I was on point. <laughs> oh, uh, I would have to say the movie Blood Rain. Damn it, Josh. Uh, I, I know. Talking about that you made me watch it because it was so bad. <laughs> that movie, if you ever watch it, you will just like be going like, are you shitting me? But it's funny are you bad. Me? It's like funny bad. You no, watch it's, it not even, you, it's not even funny bad. It is funny bad. bad. No, but they're no, 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 no. Giant squid versus mega octopus. They're trying. They're trying to be serious, but it's just funny. But it's just like you're you're watching it, going like. At the end of the movie, porn has better acting. He does a montage of all the worst moments, and I'm not shitting you. At the very end of the movie, it's a montage clip of all the worst moments in the film. Yeah, so bad. God, it was just yeah. That's mine. So, 
on the worst shit, we can wrap that up. We like to wrap up with a little slight recap of our newly added segment of the show, which is our weekly challenge. For uh, John and Meg, you don't know about this, but we actually challenge ourselves once a week to do something. Something big, something small, it doesn't matter, just try something different. And uh, each of us kind of tries to come up with a little challenge. And last week, oh, and we also award ourselves points, which are meaningless at the moment, <laughs> but will mean something eventually. It's got some nerd status to it. But, uh, Sean, why don't you go ahead There's and explain. There's nothing geek about what we're about to talk about <laughs> no. at all. Why don't you go ahead and, nerd. and talk a little bit about your challenge well, last week. That, actually, our challenge is probably right up your guys' alley because it's what you do. It's craft. So um, essentially what I came up with last week was in our jobs and in this era, it's a very digital era. Everyone's on their phones. Everyone's on their computers. Everyone's doing things that way. Um, so I brought the challenge of craft something with your hands. Make something physical. Mm-hmm. The only thing that you can use that's digital is a calculator. Um, and uh, to start off with, my craft was uh, together with my boys, my wife bought... Um, them some Super Mario figurines because they fucking love that game to death. And uh, we built um, a real-life Super Mario Brothers level in our house with, like, the flag that goes up and down and stuff, and we walked them through the level. And it was a lot of fun and spent just four hours one night just fucking playing real-life Super Mario Brothers. It was a blast. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) awesome. Jack? Shit, you can't go to like. <laughs> Jay, you don't want to go into it first or so. I, I don't want to follow that. Ah, oh, fair enough. I mean, I could though. I, I, I've had an obsession that has never left me, and that's Legos. I, I wanted to be an architect in school originally. Didn't think I'd be doing what I'm doing now either. Um, and any chance I get, and now that I have a child, it makes it just a great excuse to walk down that aisle. Uh, so this week I walked down the aisle and said, "Screw this shit. I'm buying. I'm crafting." Some uh, some Star Star Wars Lego goodness, and uh, <laughs> I uh, yes yeah, sat and uh, talked my way into a set and made it into the shopping cart, and uh, brought it home and uh, got my build on again with little uh, miniature R two and see through. I know I'm I'm totally geeky. No, I like I'm geeking, it. Nerding I like right it. I'm now, actually honestly. not that far behind you. So Sean will definitely award you twenty points. Jack will award you twenty points. I'm not far behind you in that my daughter has this set of like giant blocks that I stick did together. see what you crafted though. I did I, see this. I this built weekend. a giraffe with moose antlers that I nicknamed Moose Raff, <laughs> and that's what I built. So I'm awarding myself ten points for that. <laughs> I saw the beast. It was something. Josh Joshua. I'm going to go ahead and say, I, I was literally like every day after the podcast, I just drank every day <laughs> since today. So you created cirrhosis. I pretty much, <laughs> I award myself no points. I got to have mercy on myself because I have just been basically drunk for the past week. So I, didn't, I, I did not complete this challenge. I'm sorry. I don't get any points. Oh, goodness. And... Uh, and the challenge this week, I think, goes to Josh. Oh, shit, it's yeah. me? Oh, fuck, really? Or Jack. <laughs> you go to me. You go to me. <laughs> Someone has you know what? I, didn't Actually, know, I didn't know I was I'll go ahead and say, I'll field this one. I didn't know you I know, was in, in honor In honor of where we're at, in honor to you guys, John and Meg, for having us here, which is awesome. Oh, I couldn't. I, you so just don't think like I do. <laughs> uh, I challenge everybody to try... Try a beer you never would have before, or just try something completely random in the beer community. Um, I'm sure you guys can make John be on board with that that thought process. It's that's something I try to do every now and then because I I've yet to really diversify the beers I drink. I find I'm, I 
I'm still in this one kind of corner, uh, and I haven't developed. I know what's huge out here is, is uh, IPAs, and I'm trying so hard to get on board. Um, but I challenge everybody who's listening to, to try a different – if you're a beer drinker, try a different beer. If you're a root beer drinker, try a different root beer. Sarsaparilla. And Jason. if you're in the area, try a Golden Road. <laughs> for sure. Subtle. subtle. So yeah. subtle. Sure. Just go ahead and, yeah. sure. Thanks, guys. Exactly. You need the robot voice to cue in like the promo and then we'll cut back. <laughs> hey, try it. Go on down to Golden Road Brewery. Enter <laughs> <laughs> your name here. So as we wrap up, John, Meg, I'd like uh, to ask you guys if you have any thoughts, advice that you'd like to give uh, for the people that are out there that share your passion, the nerds that are out there, maybe even the people that take it slightly further and are brewing beer in their own garage and have... Maybe dreams, maybe aspirations, maybe they're just super passionate about the, the actual art form. What, uh, what would you say to them, and, and what, would you, what advice might you give them if they were to try and uh, get their product out there? Well, I think that uh, the one thing that everyone on this table has had in common is that, um, you know, there, were, there was a passion, and um, there was someone who helped kind of cultivate and, and shape that passion. And I think I've had, like, hundreds of mentors in my life, and that's... Um, something that I hold very dear is is having people that um, inspire me to always be better and improving my skill set. And so I would say just um, kind of look around and and try to you know make a list of ten people you admire and then go go try and talk to them and um, and 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 become uh, that will kind of how's your ability to to do what you love and love what you do and and uh, how's that passion so uh, i i think it doesn't have to do with beer it doesn't have to do with anything um but it if you're passionate about something you know fuck everything else just go take care of it and make that a priority in your life if it's you know your career if it's you know your hobby if it's your family, if it's someone special in your life, just fuck it, man. If that's your passion, go for it and fuck everything else. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode number 28 of Nerdtastic in 3D. Thank you so much for joining us. And John and Meg, thank you so much for having us here on the show. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming really in. Appreciate thank you. Thanks for joining us. Bye. See ya. Nerdtastic. 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 In 3D.